T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Saturday or Sunday, depending on when you're listening to us. It is Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Happy that you're here. I'm just coming out of a tryptophan coma. Uh, yeah, from no the, kidding. All the turkey I'm eating. Yeah. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. Bo Matthews, Mark Cox here, Carl Middleman. Pew pew. Yeah, welcome in. We got we got a great show for you today as well. We're going to talk to uh, Amy Swearer coming up from uh, the Heritage Foundation. She's a legal expert, and she's kind of uh, kind of taking a look not only at this. Uh, Ahmed Arbery case and 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 the Kyle Rittenhouse case and all these self defense cases and and what's at issue, but also the challenge before the United States Supreme Court when it comes to the Second Amendment that they're currently considering with concealed carry up in New York. So that's coming up here in a couple minutes. Yeah, and uh, what I what I like about her is they aggregate a lot of stories of uh, self defense using firearms across the country, but it's so rare to hear about a story unless it's a Rittenhouse or an Arbery story where it's a you know, it just overtakes all the news. So I think for people to understand that it happens pretty often, uh, she'll be able to speak to that. Amy Schwer, uh, and I don't know how you found her, but that's a good guess. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's fantastic, no doubt about it. So, Bo, I have to tell you, um, I went deer hunting again. I, I've been in the woods three or four times now. I saw I saw a eight-point buck. Oh. <gasps> Right? Yeah. You're going to love this. You saw it. <clears throat> saw my eight-point buck. Have it in my sights. Uh-oh. Here we it's go. It's sideways. It's broadside. It's about <sighs> 75 yards. It's perfect. I pulled the trigger, and I hear a very loud click. <gasps> what? Had a misfire. No. And I and I immediately thought, well, I just forgot to chamber around, right? It's a, it's a, it's a 308. I, I forgot to chamber around, so I, I pop it open. Look, there's, there's a... There's a round in it. So I knew immediately there'd been a misfire. But when I tried to work the action, um, another shell popped up and jammed the gun. Oh, so no. the deer stand there looking at me at this point. <laughs> I've got to turn the gun over to get the other shell out so I can rechamber a load. And I bring it back up. And at this point, it's elbows and, yeah. you know. Rear ends, yeah. bouncing off. It into laughed the, at you and it ran did. away. It did, but here's what here's what I did. I can take credit for this. It ran up the hill. There's another hunter whose property is next to ours up at the top of the hill in his tree stand. 
with his young nephew who shot the buck. So he got his very first deer, courtesy he, of me. He got yours. He got my deer Elmer because Fudd, my gun I think he was fired. hollering, Elmer Fudd, nice I try. know. It was a oh, bummer. Man, that but, you know, just wasn't meant to be. Karma, it, you know. The, that deer had a death wish, and you know, it got it. You know what, though? The good news is the McRib is back. So yeah, you thank can, you. <laughs> Bo Matthews, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Speaking of fast True. food, I do want to tell you about a, a win. So okay. here in this building on the main floor, there is a KFC that's been going in, right? The signs are up. I get all excited. I'm you know, texting people in the building, hey, the sign's up. Mm-hmm. And then we had a question, was Colonel Sanders part of the marketing? Yes, he is. His face is on the building. I pull in the other day, and I see them hanging this banner, the first 50 Get uh, free chicken for a year. Ooh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. They're doing that. I so saw I come the in. line. Yeah, I saw the line yeah. for it. Yeah. So, so I, I come up here. We're prepping for St. Louis talks uh, with Carol and Ryan. And about ten after ten that morning, she goes. Uh, both of them go. Hey, why don't you go down and talk to the people in line? It's like, well, that's a, that's that's okay. It's not really news. It's not breaking news. It's, man you know, on the street, though. Right. Man in the field. Ah. Anytime there's a new restaurant in downtown St. Louis, that's breaking news. Especially yeah. fast food. Yeah, thank you. There's and, not and, much and, of them. Anyway, long story short, I go down there to talk to the people, and next thing I know, a guy in a suit's walking up and hands me a card <gasps> and says, you're number 43. Wow. I was just there as man on the street doing the doing the job. Record, and it was so great. You so made many, yourself part of the story. I, I know, and that's what against the rules, right? So a free chicken sandwich every day for a year? No, you get a free $5 fill-up once a week for 52 weeks. And you do the math, that's like, what, 250 bucks, something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a win, uh, uh-huh. but I was just there and just uh, and I bet- collateral damage. It says Tuesdays only at this location only, okay. but the people I'm talking to in line, they were so excited, <laughs> and, and they were like, I'll see you here Tuesday. I'll see you here Tuesday. And I'm see like, you Tuesday every and Tuesday. And Carol and Ryan could have yeah. gone down there with you. Yeah. yeah. And they, they would have been they 44 were, and 45. They thought they were just punking me. <clears throat> yeah, go down there and do that, Bo. I'm like, okay. So right. I walk away. And boy, you should have seen the look on there. You got free chicken. I was you, like, you won. I, yeah, yeah, I did. You won. Yeah. But anyway, so that's convenient. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I but, mean, now you're so full of turkey right now, you probably couldn't have eaten. You know what? I eat poultry so much. I got, I got feathers that actually grow on the back of my neck here. <laughs> And I, I shave them when I shave the rest of it. Anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, this is a crazy weekend. I don't know if you're big on out black market shop or Black Friday shopping and crazy stuff like that. Black market. I'm into black market. <laughs> no, don't say that out loud. Uh, the dark web. I mean, so many people shop online. I don't even know how some stores are, are surviving. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Black Friday specials have been going for two months anyway. This is nuts. Uh, last week, at like on Monday of last week. I got an a flyer in the mail from Walmart yeah. that said the Black Friday sale started that evening at 7 p.m. Like, <laughs> why the hell would I get up at O Dark 30 on Friday morning right to get up if I can shop online on Monday? Not a chance. 100%. It's fine. And, and over the weekend, depending again on what day you're listening to this, Small Business Saturday was a, is a thing. Right. And hopefully people took part or will take part or have taken part because uh, we got to support mom and pop. I mean, yeah. they, they, they're, they're struggling. Some are staying afloat, but when you got behemoths like Amazon and Walmart and Target, it's just, I don't know how they're staying alive. But the thing about mom and pop stores is you do find unique stuff. Yes. Very unique stuff. So. Well, I admire those people because they put it all on the line. It's, it's, it, when we ever want, and I won't get into the politics of it today, but whenever we talk about minimum wage and forcing this and forcing that, I, you, the, the people they're talking about, most of these people are small business owners who, who put their, 
everything on the line to make that business work. Yes. And that's who you're punishing when, you, when you're doing things like that. So that's, They're trying to live the American dream. Yeah. You know? Very much so. And more than to. likely, they're taking care of their people anyway. Of course. Of course. And I think the ones that are surviving, I think that shows mm-hmm. that they are taking care of their yeah. people. Well, speaking of small business owners, coming up a little later, we're going to talk to Jesse Rolfs from a Razorback Armory. Uh, runs uh, his small business there. And boy, do they do great work. We're going to talk to him about you know some, some of the, the training and, and the question of... We, we had a guest on from Rutgers the other day. He was talking about kind of trying to classify first-time gun owners we're going to ask jesse about that because he he's dealing with these folks a lot particularly the past year we'll we'll ask him his opinion absolutely all right and coming up next we'll talk to amy swear a legal fellow in the meast center for legal and judicial studies at the heritage foundation on second amendment radio and the great outdoors stay right there has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. talk about the second amendment and those big issues now you know i'm in here along with Bo and and carl this morning one thing that i've focused on the past i don't know 10 years i've been in radio is the fact that since the heller decision the supreme court has not really readdressed that issue of how far restrictions can go on your second amendment rights right right um, and we've been waiting on that. And there have been several cases where they've had an opportunity to do it and they've refused to take those cases. Now there's a big one coming up. Uh, they, they've heard the arguments already and it, it's out of the case out of uh, New York. And, you know, um, they've got some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country in New York, just sort of like they do in Chicago. And yet you've got gun crime continues to soar or California or California. Lots of places like that where you have to you have to prove there's a threat against you before you can go argue that you might need to carry a gun. I think the part of the problem is that the bad guys don't watch the news. They don't know the updates. That's, that's a concern. How, how do they know? It's a, it's a good point. It's the law-abiding citizens that are penalized in yeah. this case or in many cases when it comes to Second Amendment and protecting 
yourself and your family. Well, and then you get you get cases like the Kyle Rittenhouse case, which focused on self-defense, and, and it got muddied up by the fact that Kyle being there as a 17-year-old holding a scary black semi-automatic rifle through everything, it, it distracted from the issue. The issue was, do you have a right to defend yourself if you're attacked? Uh, had he not had a gun, he might have been killed that night. Oh. There's just, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the left, in my opinion, used that as a distraction to the real issue. Uh, because if you are allowed to defend yourself and you're allowed to carry a weapon to a protest like that, that reduces their power to disrupt is what it does. It equalizes it, it for it, sure. To some extent, it, it certainly does. We have Amy Swear with us right now. She's a legal fellow at the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Heritage.org is the website. Amy, welcome into the Second Amendment Radio. We're glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, uh, was I guess just for a moment, let me get your, your comment on the self-defense argument that that got an acquittal for Kyle uh, Rittenhouse. Sure. So I, I think uh, anybody who had been paying attention to the trial, who had seen the videos, who tried to come at this with, you know, without preconceived notions of what they wanted the verdict to be, and, and had, who, who had any basic understanding of self-defense law, much less, you know, specifically how it works in Wisconsin. I, I think anybody, uh, you know, falling into those categories watching this was not surprised by it. You know, I, I think that was the the most reasonable outcome uh, in this case. And it makes sense, right? I, I mean, regardless of what you think about whether Rittenhouse should have been there to begin with, um, regardless of any accusations that, you know, may have been made about, oh, well, he was instigating things earlier. You know, at the time that this shooting happened, he was actively running away, being chased for 40 plus yards by someone who, you know, witnesses that were, was shouting that he was going to kill him and tried to take his gun. Um, and then in every other case, you know, again, it's it's a crowd of people following him, pushing him to the ground. He doesn't shoot at anybody who is not actively and imminently a danger to him, either by, you know, threatening to hit him with a skateboard, by pointing a gun at his face. Um, it, it This was a classic case of, of pure self-defense. Um, and, and I think that became very evident throughout the trial. I wish the rest of the world would uh, would believe those words you just said, because even after the verdict came down, um, there were several news agencies still using the term white supremacist. Um, and, you know, and, and then uh, we had the benefit of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse actually talking to Tucker Carlson. And he said in that interview, he supports Black Lives Matters. He, he wants to mm-hmm. help his fellow man. And and yet the narrative that is on on so many uh, platforms is still wrong. It's still and and you know actually mm-hmm. I think I think he's got he's got a chance to make those people accountable in the near future. Yeah, you know it's it's been interesting watching the narrative as it plays out on social media and then in the news media where there there seems to be like like people watched two very different trials. So I'm I'm fairly convinced that it was you know people who actually watched the trial versus people who did not actually watch the trial. Um, because, I mean, just the things that you see where there are still people to this day who, I mean, after the, the fact, you had news, large news media organizations printing that he was acquitted of, of killing three black men. Right. Everybody involved was, was white. You know, this idea of, oh, these were unarmed, peaceful protesters. These were rioters. The, uh, the, the first individual he shot, the prosecution essentially said in their opening statement, look, yeah, he did a lot of bad things. And if he had 
you know, lived, we probably would have charged him with a bunch of crimes that night. Um, you know, the, these were riots. This was the active destruction of a car lot. Um, you know, the, these these were simply not these unarmed peaceful protests where Kyle Rittenhouse showed up to just shoot black people because he didn't like the movement. Um, and, and so you're seeing, again, still now these absurd framings of, of what happened. And again, I, I think it's that you have people who just didn't bother to watch the trial uh, or even care remotely about what the facts of the case were. Yeah, we're talking with attorney Amy Schwerer from the Heritage Foundation. And Amy, the the question now is... Who can Kyle Rittenhouse hold accountable? Um, can, can he go? I know he can go after the media organizations. We saw that Nick Sandman from the, the Covington Catholic uh, situation certainly did that successfully. And I think some of those cases are still pending. Can, can, can he go after individual politicians, for example, particular congresspeople or others who he felt might have defamed him during all this? Uh, I mean, he he can certainly try. It is an incredibly high standard. Uh, the, those sorts of cases are notoriously difficult. I, I mean, people will point to to some similarities with the Nicholas Sandman case. Um, though, you know, again, if you if you remember, he didn't necessarily win those. He he just got a settlement, and and which you know, I'm sure in his mind was was pretty significant. Yeah. Um, but they are notoriously difficult to win. Um, you know, and there would be questions of, oh, is he is he a public figure? You know, I think, frankly, what was interesting watching some of the recent interviews with Rittenhouse um, was some of the remarks he had about his first attorneys um, and, and some of the, the arguments over, you know, where did my uh, several millions of dollars in bail money that was raised go? Um, you know, so but I, I, I understand the point of, you know, this being more about who can he hold accountable in terms of the, the slanders against him. Um, but frankly, I, I would imagine at this point, he's he's also just tired. Yes. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine a year and a half of, of the ordeal he has gone through um, and that there's a part of him that, that's tired and just wants to move on with his life. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly see. But they are very difficult cases to win. Very much so. You know, um, the, in, in New York, I mentioned this coming in, into the interview here. The Supreme Court's heard its arguments now over this New York law. What what I what I love about the the folks up there at, at Heritage is you guys you back up your your positions with facts and you know in looking at this law in New York we talked about it on this show before I know in my own radio program you ha- you had to prove that you were being threatened by someone in order to get a concealed carry permit to carry outside of your home that's the question here correct. Yeah, so so New York has uh, it's it's known as a, a may issue state. So you you don't just have a right to get a permit, but you also have to show what's known as good cause. Uh, and New York defines that in such a way that that essentially what this means is if you want to carry a gun in public to defend yourself, you need to go to your local licensing official uh, and uh, <laughs> beg, borrow, and steal. And I'm I'm not being so dramatic there because there there are a lot of um, bribery scandals involved in this. And essentially prove that you have some unique, significant threat to your life above and beyond just generally being afraid of crime or living in a high crime area. And even then, they have the discretion to say, nah, nah, we don't we don't think you are sufficiently reasonably afraid. You know, get out of here. Be gone. Uh, you know, lowly peasant. That's kind of like uh, anti-vaxxers saying, uh, "This is my religious exemption," and they're like, "No, we're not going to believe yeah, that." Yeah, we don't want to. We don't yeah, want yeah, to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. A- anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, 
the reality in New York is that, uh, especially in New York City, where this is enforced, I think, much more strictly than, than maybe in some more rural parts of, of New York, um, the reality is if you are just your typical ordinary law-abiding citizen, you're not getting permission from the government to exercise your Second Amendment rights in public. Right. Um, you know, and, and just insane arguments that New York would bring up to defend this to say, oh, well, well if you live in urban areas, it's it's fine. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a high crime area, because if it's highly den- or densely populated, well, there are more cops. There are more people around, and that's going to, you know, what, what does that say to the people who are, you know, still living in those high-crime areas? And, yeah, there are cops around. It's still a high-crime area. I'm still statistically more likely to be victimized than than in other areas. Um, so it's just some just hogwash of arguments being brought up to, to justify telling people, no, you're not really afraid. You don't really have a right to defend yourself in public you know, in the, the most reasonable, efficient way under the Second Amendment. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll get those those opinions out uh, in 2022. Yeah, no kidding. And, and what we talk about uh, self-defense, it's a natural right. I love uh, that we get to repeat that over and over again. What you've, you guys have done up there at Heritage, uh, I love this commentary you guys had the other day, is, is to specifically show examples around the country of defensive gun use that, mm-hmm. that undercut the argument in New York. I mean, I... I hope this is going to be a slam dunk in the Supreme Court, although I've thought that before and been sorely disappointed. Yeah, well, so so you mentioned our, our it's actually a monthly series that we do, um, and it's based on a much bigger project we have, um, our defensive gun use database uh, that we, you know, just basic Google searches, just to find the, the stories of defensive gun use that if you blinked on the nightly news, if it got reported at all in the media, um, you know, in a, in a significant way, you, you probably missed it. Yeah. Um, and so you can toggle with the map and sort of see what's going on in your state and your neighborhood. And it's, it's really awesome. Um, but, yeah, you know, in terms of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, I, I think, you know, you, you get some hints from what you saw in oral arguments uh, when you've got the, the chief justice. Uh, you know, sort of hammering New York a little bit on this. And, and he's not even the swing vote at this point. Uh, you know, I think he'd probably be like the sixth justice. Um, I, I feel pretty confident in it. Uh, I think that the panic that a lot of gun control groups are going through, you know, sort of indicative of the panic that, that they're feeling, you know, that they're not feeling super great about this decision. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the question will be sort of how broad of an opinion is it? Well, you know, do they write it very narrowly or, or do they do they go broad so that, you know, other states start taking notice and say, oh, you know, maybe we should take the Second Amendment seriously. You know, and, and really uh, the world that is anti-gun may think uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse case is just a, a one-off. But the list that, of the examples that you present in your article, that it happens a lot where somebody rightfully defends themselves. Uh, with a firearm. Um, I I will tell you this, uh, uh, Amy, that I just drove through the entire state of New York, uh, driving from St. Louis through Indiana and all that stuff, but through western New York, I was just amazed how beautiful it felt like Colorado with the elevations and the the colors and the trees were awesome. I'm thinking to myself, why is 8 million people piled on top of each other in New York City Move out here. You got a whole state to enjoy. <laughs> but the gun the gun laws are probably just as restrictive up there. It's a state law, correct? 
Uh, so, so it is a, the, the laws generally apply statewide, um, but they're, you know, what's interesting is because it gives local license, with concealed carry at least, it gives local licensing officials a lot of discretion. Sure. Uh, there are a lot of disparities. You're, you're much more likely to get that permit uh, in counties outside of uh, New York City itself than, you, I mean, New York City, it's, I mean, seriously, like unless you are rich, white, famous or bribe somebody, yeah. uh, you're probably not getting that permit. Or you're with the mafia, then you don't care about those permits. Um, but, you know, just, hey, I did want to mention uh, to the listeners of Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, just a couple of instances. October 1st, Port Arthur, Texas, two armed persons attempted to hold up a fast food restaurant. A customer intervened, shooting at them with his own firearm until they fled. Police say both uh, both would-be robbers were struck, one fatally by the customer's gunfire, but reports didn't indicate that anyone else was injured. So that gun control, that 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 control that that person using his firearm was reminiscent of how Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, defending himself. He was accurate. He was safe. He had his you know he didn't have his finger in the finger in the trigger. Well, can't say that much about the prosecutor. Um, the the other story I wanted to mention was October fifth, um, Marcola, Oregon. Police said a woman shot a man after he strangled and attempted to hit her with a baseball bat during a domestic dispute. The wounded man was taken to a hospital for treatment, being charged with several felonies after he got out. Good for her. Um, and, and, I, and I bring those stories up because it's not just the bad guys that are, are you know, committing these gun, you know, uh, atrocities. It could be somebody in your own home or in your own neighborhood. And we, you know, we are going to be there quicker, obviously, than the police can get there in a lot of instances. I mean, so just down the, the list on there, you had a, an individual in, in uh, Pennsylvania who was a concealed carry permit holder stopped what could have been a mass shooting at a mall um, b- between, of, of course, you know, a teenager who illegally possessed that gun in the mall. Right. Um, right. You know, got there much, much faster. He was on the scene to end that threat to the public. Yeah. Uh, Amy, I tell you, I hope people go to the Daily Signal da- uh, uh, and check out your defensive gun use database. It's just it's great. Uh, background for people to have if they're getting in these conversations around the water cooler, which which we hope we we've got we're educating people here every weekend on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Amy Swear, thank you very much for your time today. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, Amy. Again, with the Heritage Foundation, Heritage dot org, you can go to the Daily Signal, and uh, that's sort of their news site for Heritage, and you can find that uh, database there. Good stuff. Okay. All right, coming up next on uh, Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Before we are done for the day, we are going to talk with Jesse Rolfs from Razorback Armory. Uh, of course, I want to put a spotlight on them because they're a sponsor of the program. But I also wanted to talk to him about the people, first time gun buyers. Uh, reflecting back on our conversation we had with the guy from Rutgers last weekend. Uh, If you didn't hear that, check that out at the Odyssey app. Otherwise, stay right there. There's more of Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors coming up next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Yes. 
Is it? Yes. Oh my gosh! I told Bo. I said you you'll know this next one. Yeah, but 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 I'm th- I have no knowledge of music as long as I've been in the music business <laughs> as a music DJ. Uh, I'm horrible if it's outside of country. I love all music, love rock and roll music, and that's why I go to you, Carl. Yes, for that kind of stuff. But this is not rock and roll. This is the Vince Garrity trio. This is the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving theme. Nice, because well, it's Thanksgiving week. Hopefully, everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and they're all recovering now and exercising. Okay, Food so coma. yeah, I will tell you that uh, I'm married to a vegetarian. I've mentioned that before on the program. Oh, so you have a Thanksgiving like Charlie Brown does. No. With like popcorn and jelly beans and Oh heck no. No, 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 no. I got I got a bird. Matter of fact, I, I got a bird and I said, Oh, I got a seventeen pounder and Carol Daniel from St. Louis Talk says, So uh how many people are you feeding? I said, Me. <laughs> so this weekend I'm still eating turkey, I guarantee you. This segment of Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors is brought to you by Razorback Armory. Razorback Armory in De Pere is your gun concierge and perfect for holiday shopping. Uh, even if you want to get something and you're like, oh, what is it? What size is it? What model is it? Don't worry. Get a gift card. You're good. And they will, it'll be their favorite gift they open. <laughs> Maybe put the gift card in a big giant box with bricks in it. I don't know. Do you? But go to RazorbackArmory.com. And speaking of, we got Jesse from Razorback Armory on the line. Uh, and we, we got to talk. You told me about some great deals that Sig Sauer and Glock brought in, and we're going to get to that, Jesse. I promise you this. But uh, I don't know if you heard the program uh, last weekend, but we were talking to a group uh, from Rutgers University, and I wanted to get your opinion on this piece. Are you open-minded about this? Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to the program. Happy holidays to you, sir. Hey, Jesse. All right. Hey, guys. How you doing? A new Rutgers study has found that people who bought firearms during the COVID-19 pandemic and national surge in firearm sales tend to be more sensitive to threats and have less emotional and impulse control than firearm owners who did not make a purchase during this time. Your response? My response? Um, that's a, that's a, I mean... I will tell you this, yes and no. I think a lot of people who made some purchases then were definitely purchasing with emotion and possibly without the proper training and understanding the gun culture are maybe more uh, susceptible or, or, you know, to go that direction. Um, But hopefully they they took some training and they realized that what they did um, to purchase a firearm or, you know, something like that they can defend themselves with and loved ones. Uh, is a responsibility. Uh, it's something that they should, you know, definitely not take lightly, but, you know, um, get that training, you know, learn the firearm and, and, and be responsible with it. But I can definitely see how that study could uh, could definitely weigh out. Yes. Yeah, I think impulse control is called trigger discipline, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> the well, biggest and- biggest impulse problem I have is not buying a gun every time I go to the store. <laughs> Well, we don't we don't discourage that. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. And, and I'll tell you, I get I get customers in the shop a lot that we, that you know they're hey you know this guy was trying to break into my car last night. I'm going to buy a gun. I'm like okay that that's good, but this okay you can't shoot him. Okay, <laughs> he's not threatening your life. He's he's you know unfortunately he's in your driveway. Hopefully your car's locked. He's not you know rummaging through your property, but you can't open the door and start sending rounds, you know, and, and it's funny. It's not really funny, but we have to explain that to some people that that's not legal. You cannot do that. If you do that, when the cops show up, you're going to be the one in handcuffs. Um, that's so, true. You know, to try to try to explain them gun ownership. So I said, you know, there has to be a threat against your, you, okay, a loved one, you know, uh, defensive property doesn't work. <laughs> that's true. And, and there was an instance of that uh, not 
too awful long ago in Jeff County where a guy saw on his ring doorbell somebody was breaking into his car. He comes out of his home with his firearm, and immediately the bad guy, no hesitation at all, just starts shooting at the house. When you're a responsible gun owner, you're thinking, okay, i got to take inf- information in. Yeah. I've got to do this right. No, no, no. They're not doing that. They're they're yeah. ju- the, the bad guys are just going to start shooting, so you're not yeah. looking, and you're you're you know whether you get hit or not. I don't think the guy got hit, but that's a pretty scary situation. So yeah, if somebody's stealing your property, let them steal it. I mean, hopefully you've got your insurance paid up. Exactly. Make you know that's that is honestly where and law enforcement will tell you this. That's where you you know you need to contact law enforcement. Give them as much information as you can so that they can. You know, do their job. They can try to get there. You know, intercept them. At least cut. You know, you know, flood the area with people. You know, try to try to stop what's going on. Um, But once you enter, you know, once you introduce yourself in that situation, um, you may not be looking for a gunfight, but you might be in one. That's true. Um, Yeah. And you are safe inside the house. Now, I'm not. You know, I don't advocate for this, but you are safe inside the house. If they weren't coming in your home, you know, to to hurt you or a loved one. Um, like Bo was saying, you know, it, it sucks to make an insurance claim, but it's better than, you know, having to having your loved ones have to buy a casket. Yep, um, that's a good point. Especially if you weren't ready for it. Well, uh, we're talking to Jesse Rolfs from a Razorback Army. So, Jesse, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I I don't know if I've ever even asked somebody this question who who sells guns. Do you have that con? Do you, do you and your employees have that conversation with somebody when they buy? Do you ask if it's their first gun? If they if they need instruction, do you do you encourage them to go and get beginning handgun classes and and stuff like that? Yes, I mean it's not our first question. Like, hey, are you a new gun owner? But you can kind of tell, you know, just being <laughs> in the industry long enough. Yeah, but it's not to and not to. Um, and we 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 talk a lot about this. I've done a lot of a lot of things with different people on this that. You know, the, the first-time gun owner, male, female, whoever, there's a lot of anxiety walking sure. into a gun shop sure to buy is. that. We try to, we try to you know, lessen that anxiety. And, and so you don't want to come right out and say, oh, are you a new gun owner? You know, you don't know anything <laughs> about guns. You know, so just, you know, but, but to, to take them through the process to make sure that what they're, you know, we, you're meeting expectation. You know, you, you, if you're going to buy a firearm, that's great. If you're going to take it home and put it in a drawer and pray you never use it, it's not a good idea. You know, so that they're, you know, once they buy the firearm, okay, you know, if you're going to go to the range, you're going to need some eye and ear protection. You know, uh, it's a good idea to have a range bag. It's, you know, to kind of give them that stuff that a lot of gun owners just take for granted, you know, because we've been in, in the gun culture forever. But so we do try to have those conversations with people and whether it's their first gun or their 15th gun, or maybe it's a different gun. It's a, it's a gun that they have never purchased before and it's a different operation you know different operating system so to kind of you know give them as much information as we can but so that they're comfortable it doesn't feel like you're you're pushing things on them but but yeah definitely definitely wouldn't you you say jesse that uh just think back in the last let's say year two years or in your in your career in this world of Mm -hmm. of guns wouldn't you say that most people are pretty humble and they'll say, hey, this is the first time I'm buying a gun? I mean, they're, they're pretty open about that, wouldn't you say, as opposed yeah. to you having to stereotype or, or profile, if you will? No, and, and that is true. There's a lot of people um, A lot of people will tell you, hey, I've never owned a gun. They walk in and they lead. Like, I've never owned a gun before. I'm kind of looking. And we're like, okay, you know, hey, let's, let's show you some guns. What are you, what are you interested in? You know, what are you looking for? Is this for concealed carry? Is this for home defense? Is this for target use? You know, are we trying to, to cover a couple of those bases with yeah. one gun? Um, and there are people who who do think that they know everything because they've been on the Internet and, you know, 
watched about 30 YouTubes, and now they're, they've gone pro. And they played um, some and, video games, too. And they played video games, yeah. And those are, and honestly, those are the ones that are, are truthfully, I, I believe, more dangerous than someone who's never owned a gun before. Because they feel that they already know things, which are not, you know, generally speaking, not true. You know, it doesn't really play out to, to reality. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd say that 90% of new gun owners will tell you that up front or, you know, or in, and a lot of times they're not just, you know, laser focused. I'm going to buy a gun today. You know, they're, they're kind of going out, they're feeling out the market. They're, they're seeing, you know, what's available They're You know, they've done some research online, which is good, but they don't believe that is a hundred percent truth. And they're just running with it. Uh, so, so if I'm just pulling that name out of my hat, if, if Alec Baldwin walked into your store tomorrow at Razorback and <laughs> wanted to buy a gun, Just a what, what would your name. advice be to him? My advice would be, well, I mean, honestly, um, as, a, as a gun owner, you know, there are certain safety protocols that should be followed. Um, and, I've, you know, the funny thing is on that, I've heard from different people in that industry, people, you know, that are do filming and do all that. And a lot of times when they hand a firearm to an actor, the person handing them the firearm is told them, you know, what it is clear. It is, you know, this is blanks, you know, all this stuff. And, um, you know, they, they're then going to act out their scene, whatever they're doing with it. And I've had other people tell me, oh, you should always check it and do everything. I'm assuming these people aren't in the gun culture. I'm assuming these people aren't, you know, he, he's, he's actually come out against firearms several times. Yeah. But uh, the only thing I would ever say is I can't believe that he's pointing it directly at people and pulling the trigger um, I know, but again, I wasn't there, don't know the scenario, but that's kind of, you know, you know, even if, even if it was a prop gun and he was supposed to shoot the gun and he didn't know it was loaded with ammo, the fact that he was aiming it at other people to me is alarming, unless that was part of the protocol. Like I said, I wasn't there, but I, I think they should change that protocol because I have, <laughs> yeah. I've actually done some work with people. We've, we've supplied firearms to local people making some, you know, local movies. And even when the, the, the shot was called for to when they were filming it, it was going to look like this person was shooting at someone. They were, there was a camera there, but there was not a camera operator. That was a static camera. And they were, and they were instructed. And I actually know the guy who pulled the trigger. They were instructed to shoot slightly off to the right. Don't hit the camera. It's very expensive. (laughs) And and this was a lot. And and they were using live ammo is actually my range that I used to own. And they were shooting, you know, everything was clear. But the level of security for a very low-budget film yeah. was ridiculous in comparison to what they just did there and actually shot someone. So well, I, I can't explain that. A few weeks ago, we had a brush with greatness with uh, Bo Duke of Dukes mm-hmm. of Hazard, John Schneider. Yeah. And he did an interview, I, th- I want to say it was on Fox, uh, where he said there's free software that you can download the app and actually make it look like your finger is shooting, you know, the, the fire's coming out of the end of your finger. It has sure. the sound. Sure. You know, you, you act the recoil. So there's really no point at all for any kind of a, even a blank on a movie set with the technology and that's a free app you can download to your phone oh yeah, uh, yeah i do want- a cgi would be you know i mean the cgi that they can afford for a, a big production like that yeah it had definitely of course of course um I, I i do think it's ironic going back to the rutgers study about you know people mm-hmm. and their moods and and their their impulse control you know it's ironic that the the liberal media you know pumps out so much of the stuff on on screen that people are seeing the riots and the 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 robberies and the you know all this bad bad stuff fires burning stuff yeah no wonder people are wanting
wanting to get out and, and, and come see you and protect themselves for crying out loud. What and, and and they're also anti-gun. So why would they be showing they should be showing rainbows and butterflies and telling right. us that the world is wonderful and then people might not think we really need guns. But Lord knows. We do. Um, okay, so we got a couple minutes left. I just want to uh, put the spotlight on Razorback. Uh, this uh, we're a few weeks out now from Christmas. We got uh, uh, Thanksgiving behind us. Uh, do you still have some of your Glock toys and, and, and I, I say toys? I mean accessories. Yeah. Uh, Six hour. They, they they dropped a big load on you guys, right? Yes. Uh, so we did a uh, a great promotion. Uh, Sig Sauer and Glock both gave us uh, some free goodies to give away with each firearm that we sold. Some free ammo was out with each gun. Um, we're we're pretty much sold through that. We've got our orders back in to restock. We're definitely going to be restocked for Christmas. Um, and this, you know, the same stocking stuffers, gift cards, you know, all the accessories and different things. Uh, we're, we're still good on all okay. that. No problem. We, we 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 ordered plenty. Yeah, uh, you can't go wrong. Yeah, Absolutely, with a gift like that, and, and you know, <laughs> and and really, a lot of people are desensitized. We talked about video games or movies. It desensitizes people, so they think, "Well, I learned my stuff from Alec Baldwin on a movie." Um, Don't real life training, Mark. You would agree, Mark, and Mark is M A R C, which means bad hunter. But the man knows how to protect himself. That's <laughs> my point. It's deer three, mark zero. I didn't get anything this year. And the one that oh. I missed, I didn't even get a shot. I didn't even see anything. That's sad. Yeah, I know. That's sad. Anyway, uh, Jesse, uh, happy holidays. I will gonna. I, I will stop in because, you know, I never understood the pocket holster, okay? Mm-hmm. Until recently, it, like, kind of hit me. Can you explain... Uh, you know, for those in the state of Missouri where, you know, concealed carry is, you know, is legal and encouraged in some areas, what is mm-hmm. the reason for the pocket holster that goes inside your pocket? So a, a pocket holster or in, in even some of these are used inside the waistband. So with the firearm inside of it, okay, the trigger is completely, uh, you cannot introduce anything. You can't get anything into the trigger well. So um you still have grip to the firearm itself you can still pull the firearm uh usually these are made out of a sticky material that'll stay in your pocket so you don't pull it out with the holster with it but you cannot accidentally have a set of car keys or something else in there get inside there and get where the trigger could be manipulated or pulled also it's it's a good protection of the firearm too so you know you don't have something getting wedged in the barrel that might be in your pocket or some females like in their purses or something you know so um it's introducing just a firearm into your pocket, into your waistband, into your, you know, briefcase, backpack, whatever, without having something, you know, covering it. Not not necessarily a great idea. It's definitely better to protect it with a pocket holster or a concealment holster. Well, I think that's a great explanation for what that is. It also deters from a, a an imprint in your pocket, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So so great stocking stuffer. I just want to throw that out there to Santa Claus because that's what I want. Uh, <laughs> that's what you want. Nice. Well, I'm just throwing it out there. If Santa's to listening, Bo needs a pocket holster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, uh, happy holidays to you. I'll see you real soon, okay? Guy, great uh, guys happy holidays appreciate what you guys do uh to everyone out there who supported uh 2a radio but also supported razorback armory we thank you and you guys all have a great holiday Absolutely. you bet he's a blessed guy him and brad do a great job over there Razorbackarmory.com is where you can find him and i guess that's going to do it it does it all right another great edition of second amendment radio guys uh, thank you uh, have a great weekend be safe out there we will see you next time around on second amendment radio in the great outdoors see you boys going for another turkey sandwich
971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.